Bibles and turn back over to Psalm 66 for a few moments this morning. Psalm 66. It's a day to honor fathers. Betty and I want to honor our dads. That's my dad on the left, and that's Betty's dad on the right. And uh, they uh, made quite an impression and uh, accomplishment in both of our lives. We put some things out on the, our Facebook page uh, yesterday, last night, about my dad, and then this morning about Betty's dad. And, and uh, I'm so grateful for the dad that God gave to me. And then the second dad God gave to me in my adulthood. And both were instrumental in, in my life in powerful and profound ways. Pastor Jerry Reed said his lovely adult daughter, who was the apple of his eye, sent him a poem on Father's Day. And she told him, she said, Dad, this is my favorite Father's Day poem. Just a short poem, so let me read it to you. It says, Dad, 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 the dear old worthless geezer. Oh, the fusses I have had with that old patient teaser. He lacks the spirit of a mouse. Most anyone can down him. We let him hang around the house because it's cheaper than to drown him. Well, that's uh, Pastor Jerry Reed's favorite Father's Day poem. I don't know how well that relates to you in your uh, years growing up, but uh, fathers are certainly important to us. You know, we sing a song in Christianity. It's called, In Times Like These. And the words of the song pictures life in the midst of a storm. And the essence of the song is that it's in times like these that we need a God who's like a rock in our lives. He's stable. And in the storms of life, He holds us and gives us security and strength in times of difficulty. God is a rock. And in Him, we have security in the midst of storms. I was thinking about that song this last week as I was thinking about what's happening in America, all the turmoil that uh, has been going through our country and our culture today, all the devastation, all the destruction that has been going on. And, I, and that song came to my mind. In times like these, we need a God who is stable, who's strong, a God who understands what's going on and he knows and he understands and he brings direction and security to our lives in times like these. When everything's going great, we're not nearly as aware of how desperately we need a God who is stable as a rock. And you know, our understanding of God as our Heavenly Father is shaped day by day, week by week, in our homes, by the life of the dad. I'll never forget a young man here at Community Baptist, was here for years. He's uh, long since moved out of the area. He was the product of a, a broken home, a dad who deserted his wife and his son 
when his son was very early in life. And I, I remember times when, when this young man was in his teen years and, and uh, he and I would sit down together. Sometimes after I had preached on Father's Day or on something about the theme of how our dads shape our knowledge and understanding of God. Our Father on earth shapes what we think of our Father in heaven. And I remember different times when he and I would talk and how difficult it was for him because his, his relationship with his Father on earth was devastating. And it ruined his understanding of what God, of what a father is. How can he understand God as his father, our father which art in heaven? How can I even relate to such a God who is a father? Because everything I know of father is filled with pain and desertion and devastation in my life. It was hard for him to know and understand God because of the experience he had with his dad. And so it's very real that our, our understanding of God as a father is shaped day by day by the character and the life of our dads that we grow up with. And of course, God is a perfect father. There is no, there, have never, there has never been, there will never be a perfect human father on earth. And so there will always be the struggle of learning beyond what our experiences with our dad as we learn from the Word of God about what God is like. And that will always be a, a, a challenge. But how much easier it is for a young person, a child, to grow up seeing in his dad a pattern, a picture, a, 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 little, a, a little glimpse of what God in heaven is like as his heavenly Father. How much easier it is for him to know and understand God. I, I read a uh, bulletin that was hanging in a Texas town sheriff's office. The bulletin said, how to raise a juvenile delinquent in your own family. And had four simple steps to raising a juvenile delinquent. It said, number one, begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. This will ensure his believing that the world owes him everything. Number two, pick up everything he leaves lying around. This will teach him that he can always throw off responsibility on somebody else. And number three, always take his part against neighbors, teachers, policemen, because they are all prejudiced against your child. Your child is a free spirit and never wrong. And number four, finally, prepare yourself for a life of grief, because you're going to have it. A humorous, tongue-in-cheek description of weak parenting, because God is the antithesis of all of that. And when God becomes our pattern, how it changes the way we live our lives on earth. You know, we've seen a bold contrast in America in the last month. We've come off the heels of COVID-19 and rushed right into the protests and riots uh, that have gone on across our land because of the horrific murder of, of George Floyd. And, and we've seen quite a contrast. 
coming all from COVID-19 where families have spent more time together than perhaps they had in years. Families spending time together. Family outings, family conversations, meals together, activities together. Dads spending more time with their kids than perhaps in a long time. Maybe even resurrecting family worship and reading the Bible together with the kids. I mean, we've come off from a season of a heightened enjoyment of family. And then we observe the raw emotion, the anger, the temper of riots and destruction of personal property and attacking of people. And there's, there's, a, there's a quite a contrast here. I, I have had just a, a little bit of a tinge of fear that, that the COVID-19 lockdown that has enabled families to spend more time together than ever if, if dad at the helm of the family is not leading the family in a godly direction that they could soon get tired of each other. And, and uh, emotions could come into play and there can be heightened um, anxiety in the home. Some have, some have talked about an increase in child abuse. Uh, because the family wasn't a God-centered family, patterning their behavior after the instructions of God. And so, in the absence of the presence of God, anger and, and temper and uh, emotions further tore down the family. We, we've, we've been put in environments where it seems like the extremes are accentuated. And there's a huge contrast. And in the midst of this, we come to Father's Day. A day to hit the pause button. A day to stop and think about what it means to honor God as my Father. And, and to honor my earthly Father as the one who taught me what my Heavenly Father was like. And modeled for me the character of my Heavenly Father. So I could learn what God was like. And to honor dads. For the value and the benefits that they have brought into our lives. You know, where we go in life is often related to the dad who was mentoring us, showing us the picture of what God was like. And we see that come up continually in studies that study uh, the inner city and fatherless homes and so forth. The presence of dad makes such a huge difference. And so God instructs us. We're to honor God. As our father, and we're to honor our dads and moms as our parents. Great instructions from the Word of God. You know, the, the passage there in Psalm 66, in verse number 2, the Bible speaks of God's honor. Sing forth the honor of His name. The word in the Old Testament translated honor at its root means weight, heavy. It speaks of something that has weight in your life. That, that, that has a presence of, of, of strength and stability and weightiness, importance. And the, whenever you see that word honorable in the Old Testament, we're, when it says we're to honor our, our fathers and our mothers, it's talking about the weight 
that God has in our lives, the weight that our dads and our moms have in our life, the, the value, the importance, uh, the, the weight that they carry within us to be heavy or weighty. In, in the New Testament, the word honorable is translated from a different language, obviously. The Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek. The word translated honorable in the New Testament speaks of something that's precious or valuable or something that has dignity to me. These are coming from two different languages. Something that is valuable, that's precious, that's important, and it's so valuable and so important that it carries weight in my life. And the Bible tells us in Old Testament and New Testament that there are two important instructions that we need to give attention to. And one of them is we are to honor our Heavenly Father. Here in Psalm 66, too, we're told uh, to sing of his praise and to sing forth his honor of his name. His name. Is the name of God weighty to you in your life? Valuable, precious, carrying dignity. I, I, I so love our weekly prayer sheets here at CBC. Jesus Christ, in teaching us how to pray, taught us that we're to pray our Father. Our, our relationship to God as we approach Him in prayer is as our Dad who lives in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. So we approach God as our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we, we approach Him with the Cry of our heart, hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy, hallowed, valuable, weighty, important. And that's why our prayer sheets always start off with this section of focusing on God. One of his names. You know, in order to understand an, an earthly dad, you need to understand the perfect dad that he patterns himself after. In order to know and understand the perfect dad who lives in heaven, you've got to meditate on the diverse characteristics of his, of his existence and who he is as a person. And that's why every week on our prayer sheets, we, we have a different name that is found in the Bible, a different name of God. This last week on your prayer sheets, We've been meditating on the name of God, Elkanah. It's a, a name from the Old Testament which speaks of God as one who is jealous over us. God is jealous. That's the name for God that we've been meditating on this week. God is jealous over us. You know, jealousy is a good thing. Jealousy is a reflection of the depth of love a person has for somebody. Because of how much I love this person, I am jealous over their well-being. I'm jealous over their safety and security. And anything or anybody that would jeopardize their well-being, I have to deal with. 
because they threaten the well-being of one who is so important to me. That's what jealousy is. To be jealous over somebody's well-being and safety. That's the character of God. God is so consumed with His love for us that anything that will jeopardize our well-being becomes God's obstacle in our lives. Be it another person, be it a teaching, be it a practice, be it a sin, whatever it is that would jeopardize our well-being, God is opposed to that because He is jealous over me. That's a great name for God to meditate on and think about. God is a jealous God. And because He's a jealous God, I honor Him. He's so important to me. He has such value in my life because He's got my back. He's watching for that which will harm me. He's aware of that which will threaten my well-being. And as such a God, He is my protector, my strength, my rock in times like these. God is a jealous God. We, we meditated this week on a relationship that God has had with us. The relationship that cycled up on our prayer sheets this, week, this past week was the relationship of Savior. He's the one who came in to rescue me from everything that would hurt me for all of eternity. He rescued me. He saved me. He's jealous over me. And that jealousy brought an action. The action brought God from heaven to earth to die on the cross of Calvary to solve the problem of my sin that I couldn't fix. And He rescued me from myself. He rescued me from that which would ruin me for eternity because He was jealous over me as His creation. And so He rescued me. The character traits of God that cycled up in our prayer sheets this last week that we've meditated on are in the W's. They go through the alphabet, as you know, and they were in the W's. God is a wise God. I'm glad the one who's jealous over me, who is opposed to anything that will hurt me, is wise enough to know what will hurt me. And wise enough to know what won't necessarily hurt me. He's a wise God. And the other character trait was wrath. He's a God who's filled with wrath. I always, I always find that to be interesting how those cycle up in the W's together usually. He's a wise God and yet he's a wrathful God. And it just so happens this month they kind of joined up with his jealousy that led him to rescue me from all that would hurt me. God is filled with wrath against that which will hurt me, harm me, rob me of that which God has as his best for me. And because of his wrath against that which will hurt me, he is wise enough to know how to deal with that and rescue me from that. All because he's a jealous God over me. That's my father. That's my dad who lives in heaven. That's why dad is wise enough to look down the road and know what is going to hurt me in the future. And then to oppose people and situations and things and sins and teachings that will, that will harm me. And he's even got enough wrath about him that he'll, he'll do what he's got to do 
to deal with what will hurt me in life. That's my dad. That's my dad in heaven. He is an amazing father in heaven. We read a moment ago the passage from Hebrews. Due to time, I'm not going to go back over there right now to step down through it. But I'm going to read five statements that God as a father does. I, these are profound to me. God as a father to me recognizes that some of his children underestimate the value of chastening. He says, despise not. The word despise means to 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 have a low value of something, to think something's insignificant. He knows that some of the kids don't, don't realize how important chastening is. A good dad realizes that some of his kids don't realize how important it is for them to be chastened. And number two, he, God recognizes that some children may become discouraged as a result of chastening. Chastening is no fun. It's no fun when God chastens me. And God recognizes that some faint under chastening. And so he encourages us not to faint, not to quit, not to give up when we're being chastened in order to bring us to where God can bless us. Number three. God reinforces the motivation for chastening. He says the father who chastens his child chastens them out of love. A father doesn't chasten his child because he's angry. A father doesn't chasten his children because these kids are driving me crazy. God chastens his children because he loves them. And he knows that something is happening that is going to hurt hurt them and he chastens to be able to save them from that pain and grief in the future he knows he remembers number four that that the purpose of chastening is for our benefit that we might become more like him he speaks in that passage of of being brought into holiness god chastens not because he's angry not because we've driven him up a wall up a tree, and, 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 and just he's, and he lashes out. No, 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 no. God knows that we need to become more like Him, and so He He chastens us in order to make us holy. And then number five, God rejoices in the final result. He says in that passage that the chastening, when it's successful, He uses the word afterwards. No chastening in the present seems. Pleasant. I, I remember that well. Dad taught me that real, real good in my life growing up. He taught me really well that there is no chastening that is fun during the chastening. And Hebrews 12 says, chastening does not bring pleasure during the chastening, but afterwards. I love that word afterwards. It means it's going to produce something that's good afterwards the end result is going to be peace and righteousness you see god is a good god we honor god because god is our father cares about us so much that he's jealous over us regarding anything that will hurt us and we honor him our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name 
And all as you meditate on all the different names of God throughout your weeks of your prayer time with the prayer sheets from the church that that have before you week after week a different name, a different character, a different understanding, a different facet, a different picture of what it is to be a dad, the perfect dad, the character of our God. We honor him as we cry out, hallowed be thy name. But then there's a second instruction about this thing of honor we have in the Bible, and that is that we're to honor our earthly father. I had 25 years with my earthly father. And as the gospel singers sing, there's a hello after goodbye. And after I said goodbye to dad at the cemetery and walked away as a young man, In 1978, I have always known that there's going to be a hello after that goodbye. And as the gospel writers sang it, the time that I have yet to spend with him in the future will be infinitely longer than the short years I enjoyed with him on this earth. Oh, how I appreciate the dad that God gave to me. He showed me what God is like. He modeled for me. He was a gentle man. I don't think I can ever remember seeing my dad angry. I don't believe I can ever remember seeing my dad lose his temper. He modeled God to me. I learned a little bit about what God was like. Now, that doesn't mean God was timid, or that my dad was timid. Because when I disobeyed him, he dealt with me the way the Bible teaches that a dad deals with his children out of love. He took me in private, and he spanked me, and he taught me that physical pain is the result of disobedience. And I learned something about God. I learned that if you disobey God, it will result in physical pain. And that's what hell is all about. Eternal physical pain for rebellion and disobedience. And I learned early in life that physical pain is the result of disobedience. That taught me something about my God and his willingness to chastise to chasten in order to bring me to holiness and righteousness. No, my dad wasn't, wasn't timid. He wasn't a pushover. But he was gentle. He was kind. Someone responded. Let's see, who was it? Michael Baldwin responded to my Facebook post about my dad last night. Late last night, Michael Baldwin responded. And he said, I remember your dad. I remember that I was at my uncle's house, and your dad knocked on my door on visitation and talked to my uncle. And he saw me in the room, and he recognized me as a little boy from the bus ministry, the church ministry at FBT. And when he saw me, he spoke to me. He said, I've always remembered your dad was a kind man. See, my dad taught me what God is like. And it's great to be able to honor a dad. Now, every, my dad wasn't perfect. 
There aren't any perfect dads. But just about all of us, if we look hard enough and think long enough, we can find something in our dad that reminds us of God. And we can honor them for what they did do that was right. We're told twice in the Old Testament and seven times in the New Testament, we're told, honor thy father and thy mother. Exodus 20:12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Notice that honoring a dad, and this is written in the context of obedience to God, because the same Bible that says to children, honor your dad, also told the dad how to live a godly life in shepherding his children and the character and obedience and righteousness of God the Father. And, and so there's a context here. And in this context of, of good, godly family living, children are to honor their parents because there's a relationship between my honoring my dad and my mom and the longevity, the peace in my life, that thy days may be long, God says. That's in the book of Exodus. You recognize Exodus and Leviticus are giving the law of God there at Mount Sinai. Then it's repeated in the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, you know, is the second law. It was the, the retelling of the law at the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they went into the promised land. And so it's a repetition. It's a restating. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Oh, there's a relationship here between honoring dad and mom and how well it goes with us in our lives that we live. I ran across a video clip of Denzel Washington uh, just recently, and he was talking about his dad. He's talking about his childhood. He's talking about himself in an inner city and his closest two friends. He said they ran around together. He said, but both of his friends ended up in prison. For many years, 20 plus years, I think it was. He said, I didn't end up in prison. He says, the difference was not the inner city in which we were living in. It wasn't the policeman. It wasn't the system. The difference was I had a dad, and my two closest friends did not have a dad in their lives. They ended up in prison, and my dad saw what was happening in my life. And my dad shepherded me into the life that I lived. The difference was a dad. We honor our moms and our dads and it has an influence in how well it goes with us in our lives. And so twice in the Old Testament and then seven times in the New Testament, the Bible says, Matthew 15, for God commanded saying, honor thy father and thy mother. And he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. Matthew 19, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Mark 7, Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. Mark 10, thou knowest the commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. Luke 18, thou knowest the commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. And Ephesians 6, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with a promise attached, that it may be well with thee, 
that thou mayest live long on the earth. Does dad have weight in your life? Is he precious? Is he valuable? Does he make all the difference in the world? Does he bring you something that nobody else can bring you? Nobody can replace a dad. A godly dad who shepherds his children. Oh, how we honor our dads and our moms. And for most of us, it's just a simple, thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, I got a Father's Day card a few years ago. It said, Happy Father's Day. I love you and am so thankful for the guidance you have given me through the years. Thank you so much for teaching me first about a relationship with Jesus Christ and then everything from how to know right from wrong to why Aaron shouldn't burp at the table. <laughs> thanks, Dad. I love this little video clip. Go ahead and show the video clip, uh, Tyler. I love this little video clip because it just simply, there's a whole bunch of people saying, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. I want to thank you, Dad, for always being there for me and teaching me that nothing is impossible. Thank you for never giving up on me, Dad. I appreciate it. Thank you for being there, being at home. That really means a lot to me, so thank you for that. Thank you, Dad, for always being just across town, no matter how far apart we are. Thank you, Daddy, for teaching me right from wrong. Dad, thanks for coaching softball all those years and being going with me. Dad, I want to thank you for making me become the man I've always wanted to become. I just thank you that you're a dad that pointed me back to the Lord. And I just, I'm grateful that you're in my life. Thank you for giving me the confidence to know that I can do whatever I want to do. Thanks, Dad, for teaching me never to give up. Thank you, Dad, for teaching me unconditional love. Thank my dad for showing me how to how to have a caring heart. Thank you, Dad, for the times we've spent together. Thank you for being a giving person. Thank you, Daddy, for coming to every soccer game that I ever played. Thanks for when it snowed for the first time on the ranch, how you built snowmen with me. You taught me how to handle adversity. You taught me to stand up for what I believe in. You taught me how to drive. You taught me how to throw that perfect spiral. You taught me to love nature. You taught me to always let my conscience be my guide. You taught me to be a good husband. You taught me to be a person of honor. You taught me how to be a great father. You taught me to have confidence in myself. You taught me to love God and have lots of fun doing it. You taught me to never, ever, ever give up. You taught me how to survive in this crazy world. You taught me that there's nothing I can't do. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Sometimes it's just as simple as thanks, Dad. Thanks. I read the story of a, of a preacher. He was a revivalist and evangelist. He traveled and preached all over America. He had a son that was growing up, and, and uh, he was a very uh, well-known evangelist. And as a matter of fact, he, he, his meetings were booked four years in advance. He was booked solid for four years. He was much in demand in churches uh, here in America and constantly on the road preaching. And so, as his son was growing up, he and his wife uh, talked about how to, how to manage career and family in such a way that career does not take away from family. And so they, they came up with an arrangement that seemed to work well for them. It, it was an arrangement in which he would book 
meetings, and he would be out of town, be gone for two weeks, and then the next two weeks he would be home for two weeks with his wife and son. Next week, two weeks, he'd be on the road. And, and so throughout the year, uh, he would be two weeks in, two weeks out, two weeks in, two weeks out. And that seemed to work well. They had a good family, good home. Things were going well. His son was about 15 or 16 years of age, and he was at a meeting somewhere, preaching, middle of a meeting, and he got a phone call, and it was his wife. She had just uh, ended uh, what had become a series of conversations with their son, in which he was ceasing to be uh, as, com- as uh, obedient as he had been. This particular conversation was revolving around an instruction that she had given her son, and he said, he looked back at her with defiance in his voice. He says, I will not do that. She picked up the phone, and she called her husband in another state, and she told him of the conversation, and she said, I need you. It was a short conversation. They hung up the phone. Neither the dad or the mom realized that the son was standing in the hallway listening to the mom's conversation on the phone with her husband, his dad. He wondered, what's dad going to do? The dad canceled the rest of the meetings, services in that series of meetings, and he drove back home. Within about three days, there was a for sale sign in their front yard. He canceled the next four years of preaching engagements. They sold their house, and he accepted the pastorate of a small church in a different state. And for the next few years, through the rest of the teen years of his son, he mentored his son. He spent volumes of time with his son. Once the son went off to college... The dad resigned the pastor of the church and went back into evangelist ministry. But something had happened in those intervening years. The men that knew him that were pastoring those churches were no longer at those churches. Younger pastors that had become pastors of those churches didn't know him. And so all of a sudden, the four years of meetings dwindled down to virtually a few. And for the rest of his evangelist ministry, he never, never reclaimed the demand for his ministry that he had had. And some said, you blew it. You gave up a career of helping churches across America for one person. And some would argue he had made a, an unwise decision. He should have found a different way to deal with his son. And some may give some credence to some of those arguments until they find out who the son was. The son's name was Dobson. And I've forgotten his first name. What was his first name? James. His name was James Dobson, who started Focus on the Family, and who became one of the leading Christians in America, helping parents... To raise their children. And so giving up a career in order to be a dad didn't turn out to be such a bad deal after all. Because America is still 
enjoying the benefits of the ministry of Focus on the Family. A ministry created because a dad realized that his responsibility as a dad to his teenage son was of grave importance. We honor our dads, don't we? We honor our dads for the role they played in our lives to make us the people we've become. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for part of a Sunday service at Community Baptist Church. I hope to meet you soon. May God impress His love upon your heart this week.